1: Are you crying? Are you crying? <laughs> There's no crying in baseball! <laughs> no crying! Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. <laughs> I'm Joe's neighbor, Doug, and welcome to the money party that never ends. On today's show, we kick things up a notch because we're talking about financial terms you need to know. What terms should you add to your list of water cooler terminology? To help us, we welcome from the great state of Canada, Tom Drake. And from your richest life planning, certified financial planner, Katie Brewer. Finally, from Afford Anything, Susie Orman. Wait, what? Oh, it's it's Paula again? All right, okay. I thought Susie kind of took over after that one show. All right, excuse me. Apparently, it's Paula Pant. Plus, in our Friday FinTech segment, are you renting or own some rental properties? We'll talk to the man running a site called Cozy that'll make everything easier, Lucas Hall. And now, the guy busy celebrating National Pumpkin Day, Joe Salcijai.
0: I wish it were national pumpkin spice day because i can get behind that day i am here welcome to friday everybody i'm so happy that you're here with us and og's not here today but we do have our good friend in the desert i believe with us on my dad shortwave paula pant
2: so i just got back from london and while i was there i realized that there were actually six spice girls there was scary spice sporty spice posh spice ginger spice pumpkin spice. And
0: pumpkin spice. That's right. You're like, Ta-da! you've been working on that joke a week, <laughs> And baby you?
2: spice. I forgot to mention her.
0: You have been working on that joke for how long?
2: Since you said it. <laughs>
0: yeah, there, there it is. So when you got back, did you have to kick Susie off the site uh, now that she kind of runs the place?
2: Oh my goodness. So I flew to London at the exact same time that that podcast episode went viral. And for listeners who aren't familiar with what we're talking about. I think, I this- yeah, both of them. Both. of them. I aired this uh, interview with Susie Orman that we will, uh, let's just say, was a bit contentious. It went viral. Time Magazine picked it up. Market Watch picked it up. I started getting texts from people I haven't talked to since high school saying, hey, I saw you on my Google Reader or whatever. And I was like, you use Google Reader still? But um, <laughs> That was your first thought. Really? <laughs> Google, really? AOL? But yeah, that podcast episode went viral when I flew to London, and then Susie retracted the comments that she made, sort of, kind of. Uh, She retracted that right at the time that I left London. So my entire trip, bookend to book, it was totally bookended by the Susie Orman drama.
0: That's so exciting. By the way, if you want to hear the kindler gentler Susie interview, listen to the Stacky Benjamin Show, because we got along just fine with her, Paula. (laughs) Like like Susie and I I are BFFs.
2: I think I completely, unintentionally, but probably completely burned that bridge. I uh, sent an email oh, are to you, her publicist. Are you
0: kidding me? She flippin' loves you. <laughs> Nothing Susie likes better than being the center of attention, and you brought her right back front and center.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I, I've never experienced anything like that before. We'll just say that.
0: Well, that was a job well done. And somebody else who always does a good job and is here pitching in, as Len Penzo tells us at the very last minute, he can't, he can't be here today from your richest Life Planning in Dallas, Texas. It's our good friend, Katie Brewer.
3: Hi, I'm Katie Brewer, also known as the other Len Penzo.
0: That's that's right. That's right. So how do you feel like being the last minute relief pitcher on this show? I feel like that's become your designated role, Katie.
3: It's like, you know, I've been sitting on the sidelines for three years waiting to, you know, be called in. And then you're like, Hey, we, our star quarterback and the backup all quit and we need you to play. And I'm like, yes, I'm in. But you're
0: always so good at it. And there's been, it's just amazing that how quickly you come on and always have great points. So we're happy you're here with us. Tell the few people that don't know who you are that haven't heard your what 17 appearances on the show. Exactly what you do.
3: I am a financial planner. So I get, you know, down and dirty in the trenches with my clients helping them out with all of those fun things like investments and tax planning and retirement planning and all of that stuff. And I'm over in the Dallas area, work a lot with clients virtually though.
0: Yeah. All over the country. And speaking of the country, we're going outside the country, Paula. It's about time we got this Yahoo on the show. Don't you think?
3: We're getting Yahoo
0: on the show? Well, no. This particular Yahoo, we're getting on the show from the great state of Canada, as Doug so eloquently said, the man behind the new Maple Money podcast, it's our good friend Tom Drake.
4: Yeah, so Paul is in the desert, and we're actually getting snow right now. Before you think we all live in igloos, though, it is a little seasonably early. Even for Calgary? Yeah. Normally, the goal is to make it past Halloween without any snow, but it came early this year.
0: So did you win or lose that bet?
4: I feel like I lost it because now we have to figure out how to get our kids wearing full snowsuits into their Halloween costumes.
2: <laughs> it's ah. so great. You should see the look of horror. I know the, the people at home can't see this. There is a look of abject horror on my face right now.
5: <laughs> just, I bet.
2: I just. Come on, Paula. You want to go to Canada, right? I. You know stop. what? I did go to Canada. I went there in April and I wore a full down jacket with a down vest underneath and it was April and I was still freezing.
0: I feel like though, Paula, Tom complaining about his kids having to wear a snowmobile suit underneath their Halloween costume is kind of like there's first world problems and there's first world Canadian problems. Like that's a (laughs) first world Canadian problem, isn't it?
4: Yeah. You just get used to it. It's all snowsuits and boots and everything else. Uh, I've been told uh, by Philip Taylor that living in Texas is the same as living here, just opposite. Like in in the summer, you pretty much have to stay inside. Yeah, you
0: peel off your skin and you're good. So that's fantastic. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you're here with us, Tom. So Maple Money's been around forever. You've been blogging for a long time, but you now have the podcast. Congratulations.
4: Thank you. Yeah, um, it's uh, the Maple Money Show. Maple Money as a blog was originally a Canadian finance blog. And uh, we're just getting really close to hitting 10 years at the, at the beginning of next year.
0: You know a place that's been our sponsor for almost 10 years, Tom? What's that? It's a Magnify Money. If you head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money, you know what you'll find? The average person, Tom, who goes there says $450 and not those Canadian dollars. What's 450 Canadian dollars? Is that like $12.67?
4: No, no, other way. Uh, yours oh, yeah, is worth yeah. More. That's, that's, so it's probably, it's probably like $550, $600. <laughs>
0: that's, that's right. You could save $600 Canadian dollars by heading to <laughs> Magnify
4: Money. That's 600 loonies.
0: That's right. Stackybenjamins.com. That's my favorite term for money, by the way, the loony. Stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. Thanks also to Warby Parker for supporting Stacky Benjamins. Get boutique style, stylish eyewear and sunglasses at revolutionary prices. Try them yourself by going to warbyparker.com forward slash. SB to order your free home try-on kit with free shipping all around. Hey, we got a great show today. We've got Katie, we've got Tom, we've got Paula, we got the Specter of Susie. So <laughs> let's get this party started.
3: <laughs> Hello, darlings, and now it's time for your favorite part of the show: our stacking Benjamins headlines.
0: Our headline today comes to us from the Motley Fool. I don't think Paula, we've done a Motley- we haven't done a Motley Fool piece in a long time. Could have fooled me. Many Americans don't understand these basic financial terms. I, of course, this is written, by the way, by Katie Brockman. I thought it'd be funny to have the Canadian on the show and talk about American financial terms, Tom. You're welcome. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So Katie writes, let's face it. Financial talk can be confusing at times. With so much jargon, it can seem like a foreign language. It's an important language to understand, though, because if you fail to understand certain basic concepts, you may put your financial health at risk. A significant portion of Americans are not confident in their understanding of basic financial terms. According to a survey from polling firm YouGov and training organization The Knowledge Academy, this makes it more difficult to plan for retirement and set yourself up for financial security because when you don't fully understand these terms, it's harder to make smart financial decisions. Tom, let's turn to you first. When did you start getting kind of a handle on some of the financial, whether it be American or Canadian jargon, but some of just the jargon around personal finance?
4: It probably wasn't long before I started my blog. The whole reason I got into blogging and and personal finance was I realized I needed to get better with my own money. I was already a financial analyst. I came out of business school and I thought I was pretty smart, but I wasn't. Uh, So a lot of of the the terms that were mentioned in this article actually apply the same for Canadians as well.
0: Did you find, though, being a financial analyst and being in finance in college, that you had the opposite question? Like you were comfortable with the terminology, but many of your readers on the blog aren't.
4: A little bit, but some of the terminology still isn't something you cover in school. I could go on a whole different rant about not learning personal finance in school in general, but uh, (laughs) a lot of these terms weren't used in college at all so I still left to figure some of this out. Paula, do you find
0: yourself uh, like writing financial jargon and then hitting delete, 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 and phrasing it a different way when you write a post?
2: Normally, if there's a particular term that I need to write, if I don't think that a reader is familiar with it, I will use a dependent clause to very quickly identify it. So I'll be like, the blah, blah, comma, which definition, comma, and, you know, that, that's how journalism school, that's how you're trained to, uh, very quickly define something so that you can move on.
0: I was going to say, there's plenty of people out there looking up what the hell's a dependent, a deplendid, th- there we go, <laughs> a, de, a dependent clause. Be like, well, I don't even know what that is. So, uh, <laughs> did you find it's
2: a clause that you can claim on your taxes?
0: Yeah. Different than Santa Claus. There's a Santa okay. Claus and a dependent clause. Uh, Katie, do you find financial terminology trips up a lot of your clients?
3: Yeah, I do. And especially when um, the IRS feels like naming all of these different plans by the IRS code, which is fun. And then all of the providers feel like naming them something cute, which is fun. So (laughs) I get a lot of questions where where people are like, well, I have a blah, blah, blah plan. And it's, you know, sometimes what Fidelity or somebody else has come up with is the name, not the actual name of the IRS plan. So yeah, I, I do find, especially with the 401, 457, 403b, 529. It's always funny when clients are like, I opened up the five something and I'm like, well, okay, let's narrow that down.
0: Seriously, Tom, I wish we did it the Canadian way. I mean, an RRSP, a registered retirement savings plan. Isn't that what that stands for? Yeah,
4: exactly. Uh, But people still make the same mistakes. They think that's something that they can invest in like I bought an RSP today. I was like, no, uh, you didn't. You, it's, it's a tax shelter and you, you have investments inside of that.
0: Yeah. Or a TFSA, right? A tax-free savings account.
4: Yeah. That's very similar to the Roth IRA, yeah. but a little bit better. Yeah, <laughs>
2: Nice. Wait, there's something better than a Roth IRA? Shut the front
0: door. Yeah.
4: The way I understand it, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, with the Roth IRA, I believe you can't take out the gains tax-free. With like TFSA, you can so you could put in ten thousand, make fifty thousand, pull all that out, and that becomes not only is it tax free, but that becomes contribution room the next year. Oh, it, Yeah, so otherwise they're very similar, where you're 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 getting taxed up front and not at the end, but you can pull out the gains. And that carries over to new contribution room next year.
2: But just remember, yeah, to Canada.
0: <laughs> well, I was going to say though, Paula, before you do that, just remember you got to wear a snowmobile suit underneath your Halloween costume. Snow suit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. No suit. Yes. Yes. We'll call it a snowmobile suit, just because we oh, don't know. About it'll her. be
2: so cold! I'll be. I'll have to wear a hat and gloves, and I'll be able to see my breath. Whew, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds rough. 1st well,
0: term- that's when
4: you become a, a snowbird and you move down for six months. Is it, a stink Canada <laughs> in the summer and you move down for six months.
0: There it is, uh, strategery. The first term on this list is index funds. How important, Katie, do you think it is that your clients know about index funds?
3: I think it's more important that they know that there are less expensive funds and more expensive funds and how to actually discern what they have. So yeah, I think probably knowing what an index fund is pretty important, but also knowing how to distinguish between a really expensive version of a mutual fund and or an annuity because we're just gonna jump right in on hating on annuities day. Nice.
0: <laughs> She's bringing in all the terms. But
3: yeah, you know, I figure if Paula's going to start stuff with Susie Orman, then I'll just start stuff with the whole annuity industry <laughs> while
0: we're at it. <laughs> and, and we're just going to start a forest fire here. Uh, but, but on index funds, I mean, when you say that there's more expensive and less expensive, you're saying because index funds are which of those?
3: I'm saying because index funds are less expensive, but there's a whole huge galaxy of mutual funds out there that are not index funds.
0: But doesn't that frustrate you when they're not less expensive? Like I've seen some families funds in 401ks where the index. we all assume index funds are less expensive, but then you see ones that aren't. You're like, are you kidding me? Like people getting ripped off in their 401k by this index fund that should be inexpensive, but isn't.
3: Oh yeah. I've totally seen that, especially in small business 401ks where I think they pass a lot of the um, expenses on to the Employees, but they do it in that sneaky manner. And I think I saw a a S and P 500 that was like 1.3 percent expense ratio, and I was just
0: winner chicken dinner.
3: I know. I told them I was like, "Congratulations, you have the most expensive S and P 500 index that I have ever seen." And she was like, oh, yay. I I feel like I should not be excited about that.
0: Assuming that stuff is what kills me. People are like, no, I have all index funds in my 401k. And then you look at it and you're like, "Uh." but index funds. And the next one, Paula, here is mutual funds. I think this idea that people need to know maybe, I don't know. I mean, what's another one? Diversification?
2: I'm glad that you brought that up because it is important, I think, that the average person knows the difference between an index fund and a mutual fund or knows the difference between passively managed versus actively managed. Because at a conceptual level, that's something that people are going to have to think about. And I mean, we all know that I am super pro taking a passively managed approach. But even if you don't take my own personal biases into account, just explaining to an individual, hey, here are the two options. Here are the pros and cons of each. Now make your decision accordingly. Ahem, passive is better.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're not passive aggressive at all about that. <laughs> but I'm bummed. Uh, uh, Tom, is it the same in Canada? Index funds, mutual funds?
4: For sure. Uh, the thing that really made it click for me with mutual funds was a little book of common sense investing. Oh, yeah, just, nice. It, it, yeah, it simply pointed out that on the whole, all mutual funds are going to be the market. But then those fees are coming off. If In Canada, it could be like, anything from 1%, 2.5% in fees. So on average, if you're the market, but then the fees are coming off, you're actually underperforming the market.
0: And then next year is, and this is a tough term, Paula, asset allocation.
2: Asset allocation. That's basically a fancy way of saying diversify or and even diversify is a fancy way of saying, don't put all your eggs in one basket.
0: And Paula, we have to say goodbye to you, by the way, because you've got to go sign autographs with fans apparently.
2: Yeah, uh, (laughs) I'm I'm having a afternoon high tea with Susie Orman. (laughs) That's right. You, Your new BFF. Thanks. Absolutely. Thanks for (laughs) hanging out. We're going to go vacation together (laughs) on a private island. Thanks for hanging out. Awesome. Thank you, Joe. But when it comes to diversification,
0: Katie, when we talk about asset, like, is there a difference between just basic diversification and this asset allocation term?
3: Yeah. I I tell people that it's, it's mainly the percentage of stocks versus bonds and then what you have in the US versus what you've got somewhere else and that kind of helps a lot because otherwise they they start thinking that they if they're looking at their portfolio and they only have one mutual fund, you know, even if it's a target date fund or an asset allocation fund, there's like there's not enough mutual funds in there. There needs to be more cuz it needs to be diversified. I'm like, well, you kind of have to pop the hood of what's underneath your investments to be able to actually see if you've got a good mix or not.
0: Are there generally asset classes you see people miss that they maybe should have in their portfolio?
3: You know, I think it's more when people get a nice diversified mix and then they throw some random stuff in there because they feel like that's not sexy enough. And so (laughs) I'll see like nicely diversified things and all of a sudden there's like, a technology fund and and that's like 30% of the portfolio. And I'm like, well, what? what was your thought here? And they're like, well, it just looked, it looked boring.
0: The portfolio looked boring, but the technology piece was going to sexify it somehow.
3: Yeah. And I think a lot of that has to do with, I looked at the returns and they looked great. And so I decided that I should throw that in, uh, whether or not it actually made the asset allocation look good.
0: But how much, especially Tom, with the market bouncing around like it has lately, do you find that people... You know, don't don't look back at past history enough and asset allocation enough.
4: Well, I'm afraid that sometimes people look back at past history too much. Like Katie mentioned, that this idea that oh, I saw technology was doing well, so I bought some technology. It's like, well, by then it's kind of too late. <laughs> uh, in, in Canada right now, marijuana stocks are a big thing. Uh, it's kind of the next Bitcoin because I, I think we're legal, like it might be this week, I think, um, yeah. <laughs> across the country. Yeah. So there's a lot of people trying to get that big thing. But by the time people are talking about it, it's already kind of too late. Yeah. The, those the other th- those stocks,
0: I want to stop you just for a second, Tom, on marijuana stocks, because we're reading about it a lot now with a few of these companies that were on the Canadian exchange now also coming to the US exchange. You seeing this as a big bubble or do you think this is just a, you know, upward trend and it's time to get in on marijuana stocks?
4: I think it's too late. The smarter people started investing when Justin Trudeau became the uh, Prime Minister because that was one of his big, big part of his platform was he was going to legalize marijuana. Uh, That was uh, at least two years ago, maybe three years ago. So it's been slowly building over this time and not so slowly over this past year now that they've set a date.
0: But you're seeing companies like, and I don't want to, but I'm I'm totally getting derailed here, and I apologize, but I'm fascinated by this. You're seeing companies like Coca-Cola talking about maybe partnering with some of these companies to, to make cannabis-infused drinks in the future. I mean, do you think things like that are already priced into these stocks?
4: Well, something like Coca-Cola would be different. They're going to do well no matter what and this would help them. There's just a lot of, it's sort of a bit of a startup culture with the the marijuana companies in Canada. So half of them probably won't exist a couple of years from now.
0: That's my fear too. You're saying it's like the wild, wild West. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Next up here is the Roth IRA. We already talked about Roth IRA and TFSA, and everybody wants to become part Canadian because yours is cooler, Tom. I have to admit, (laughs) those are the terms they had here. You got to know Roth IRA, you got to know asset allocation, you got to know mutual fund, you got to know index fund. But I'm sure, Katie, you looked at this list and said, there might be a couple other terms you need to know.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with people mixing up terms. So I kind of mentioned all of the 401, 403, 457, but I've gotten a lot, especially lately, where Roth IRA and Roth 401k, they both start with Roth. And so- you know, I'll I'll ask people, Hey, do you have a Roth four oh one K option? And they'll say, Well, I can't contribute to that. I make too much money. Oh. And so we kinda have to back it up and be like, Well, they either assign numbers that no one can remember or uh, you know, stick the name of a of something on multiple things to, <laughs> and it confuses people. So I think it's more a fact of just keeping stuff straight versus actually like knowing all of these different terms i
0: think you pick the most confusing one that very thing people get stumped on all the time like get tripped up by constantly tom what do you see a term that maybe should be on here that isn't
4: in canada specifically um you said our rsp is very obvious but it's not because for education we have the resp which is uh similar to the the 529 in the states yeah and then we have uh RIF, which is what you convert your RRSP to when she retires. So <laughs> even with our little four letter acronyms, it, it can still get pretty, pretty confusing to realize what each of them really is and how they all fit together.
0: I think, you know, based on the way people talk, a couple that I'll bring to the table. One is this idea of sunk cost, right? I've already put so much money into this that I should continue putting money into this. I mean, Katie, it seems to me like people worry about sunk cost way more often than they should.
3: Yeah, so I think probably along with terms that you should know are also things that people do that are stupid that you shouldn't <laughs> do. Um, and one of those, I think, would be exactly what Joe's talking about, which is, well, I've already gotten this far in this really poor investment, and so I'm I'm just going to write it out until it actually makes sense without actually looking at the fundamentals of if you should be in that investment in the first place.
0: That one kills me. And the other one I think about, Tom, uh, I mean, on my end is interest rate. I mean, people say they know what interest rates mean, but we look at 12% interest on a credit card, we high five each other. And then we say that getting a 12% return on your investment, you know, consistently, you must be smoking something. And so we, we think it's legally,
3: cool. legally, in Canada. <laughs> right,
0: legally. That's right. <laughs> I mean, we think it's, we think, we think we're awesome at 12% credit cards. I mean, they're making money on us hand over fist because we don't understand that concept apparently.
4: Yeah, exactly. Uh, a lot of people don't understand sort of the importance of the interest rate they're paying on credit cards, whether it's 12% or 20%. It's like you said, that that's sort of the best investment going for a bank they're getting something that we would love to earn. Do you guys have some of the same consumer
0: protections too, when it comes to credit cards and credit card debt that they've instituted the last few years in the United States?
4: I think so. We've got rules about um, sort of it, it clearly states on our, our credit card statements. Now how long it'll take to pay off based on the minimum payment, because so many people would, they'd see their statement for possibly thousands of dollars and their minimum payment's under $50. So they pay that and they don't realize that, well, that's going to take them like decades to pay off at that rate. So our statements, I don't know if this is the same in the States, but a a more recent rule is our statements have to show that now where people can see rather plainly how many, I believe it's in months, it'll take to pay that off at that rate.
0: It is so depressing that people get stuck on the minimum payment. Oh, I can make that payment. So I'm good. No, no, Mm -hmm. No, you're probably not good. The biggest financial concept, Katie, you wish people knew more about?
3: I think I might've mentioned this before on a show, but I work a lot with women and I feel like sometimes as women, we feel like we have to have a hundred percent of the information to actually move forward on anything. And so, Hey, shout out to all the women out there. (laughs) Sometimes we're holding ourselves up and that we're not like actually moving forward on something because we feel like we don't know it when in reality, if I talk to a man and a woman, they knew the exact same amount of information. Normally, the woman kind of undercuts how much she knows. And the guy is like, I got this. I read a book one time. <laughs> or like my friend told me this. So I would say really in working with women, it's kind of yes, go get the education that you need, but also don't let the education hold you back from actually taking action.
0: I think that's fantastic. An action a mindset. Tom, you've got the last word on this one, a financial concept, whether you've mentioned it or not already, that you wish more people understood.
4: Uh, just one, one thing I want to mention with, with asset allocation, a lot of people take that to mean that if they have too much stocks, they need to add things like bonds and, and money markets. But it works the other way too though. If you just have nothing but bonds because you think you're playing it safe, well there's a risk to that and the, and the risk is that you don't even keep up with inflation. People consider something like bonds to be completely safe and and that's it's asset allocation isn't simply you need more bonds. <laughs> it truly means that those stocks do play a part in that and and just beating inflation is is obviously a bare minimum for a goal.
0: when i was at fincon i ran into lucy from a company called cozy we had a great discussion and i told her that we need to have them on to talk about exactly what cozy does and i was so excited when she introduced me to lucas hall from cozy he was the founder of landlordology that's cozy's educational resource for landlords and uh he came to tell us what it's all about so whether you're somebody who's renting or somebody who manages probably more importantly for somebody who manages between one rental property like i do and many cozy's a way to get all that work that you're juggling done much much more efficiently so on today's friday fintech segment let's say hello to lucas hall from cozy And coming down the stairs, Lucas Hall. How are you, man?
5: Hey, Joe. I'm well. And you know, I I have to say your mom is amazing. She makes the best lemon squares and I'm a sucker for anything lemon. So (laughs) tell her thank you for me.
0: Well, I got to tell you, she was excited you were coming. And if mom's happy about a guest, we're happy. So... How about that? We got Mutual Admiration Society going on. (laughs) (laughs) How did you found Cozy? Were you a landlord? Were you a renter? Tell me, was it frustration or did you see an opportunity in the market?
5: Cozy started actually in 2012 and I am one of the original employees, but I'm not a a founder. I actually founded Ah. a website called Landlordology, which is a free educational website for landlords, and and that became part of Cozy in 2014 as a part of an acquisition. But Cozy was founded by a man named Gino Zand, and he uh, was in San Francisco trying to find an apartment, and you can imagine that's hard at times. And right. so his his landlord ran his credit six times in three hours and oh ended my up god, dropping his score significantly, and he just had to live with it. It was an unfortunate event that it took him years to recover from, you know, so luckily, I think he got the place, but uh, but his credit score was damaged significantly for a couple of years. And I think you know, we don't know for sure, but I think it was because that landlord just had a, a antiquated old website that he was running screening reports through and ended up pressing that submit button a couple times too many. And I think that was the cause. So Gino just said, you know, this is ridiculous, and now i'm I'm penalized for trying to find an apartment. So what he did is he was the design head at Flickr for a while and had always been an entrepreneur and always been design first and thought, you know, I could build something better than what this guy's using. So he came up with this idea that these big property managers in the world, they have all the best tools and all the uh, easiest things to use and they work really well. But, you know, these tools are incredibly expensive and that's why only big property managers have access to them. But these little landlords, they they don't have the right tools and in fact, at our last calculation, forty three million rental properties in the United States. We believe that about seventy percent of them are owned by mom and pop landlords. So Gino said, well, let's let's build something." And so he went over to Kevin Rose at Google Ventures and said, "I want to build tools for landlords. I want to make them free, and I want to democratize this industry and change it forever." And they said, "That's awesome. Let's go let's give you some money and let's send you on your way." And so since then we've had a couple rounds of investing, but that's how Cozy was born. So Cozy, is uh, free rental tools. It's it's a way for landlords to manage their own properties and do it for free.
0: Yeah. I'm one of those people, by the way. I mean, originally I'm a landlord now, but I'm an accidental landlord. I moved away from Detroit in 2008 when all the auto companies were going bankrupt and couldn't sell my house. And now, you know, managing that property is something that I'm left with. I'm sure a lot of people have that story.
5: Absolutely. I mean, 70% of 43 million.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So let's dig into how Cozy works then. So I'm a landlord. What do I do?
5: Well, typically landlords don't know what to do. And that's part of the problem. So Cozy not only will give you the tools, but will teach you how to do everything correctly. So it's kind of like imagine if you wanted to learn how to fish. We will teach you the basics of fishing, but then we'll also give you the tackle and the rod and the friends to go with you and the boat and the gas and you know the netting and everything you need to make it happen. So if you're a landlord and you want to list a property for rent, you have this online beautiful application, which they can fill out, and then you can get a credit report and a background check on those tenants. And you can review those and finally pick one that uh, is the best fit for your property, the most qualified. And then if you find somebody, then you can roll them right into online rent collection. And so you can actually collect rent from your tenants online and that's completely free too. So it's free for both parties, in fact, so they can pay rent on their phone, just like Venmo or PayPal and, they can uh, marry that up with roommate payments as well, so that's handled beautifully and seamlessly, and everything is just easy to understand inside Cozy. So once you get that going, then you know you're off and running for you know however long that lease is. And while you're in that lease, you can also collect or take maintenance requests from tenants, and it's as simple as you know they have a problem, they pull out their phone, they take a picture of the leaky sink with their phone, and write a little description, and then it's off to you. And everyone in the house can see. That maintenance ticket, and you guys can comment on it. And then lastly, you can track all your property expenses for tax time and get these beautiful reports that help you, you know, help you and your accountant do your taxes so that you don't have to spend a lot of time on that either. So, Cozy truly is an end to end system. And, you know, when that lease is over and you need to find a new tenant, you just turn on the listing again and start waiting for the applications to come in.
0: Now let's go back. I want to ask you questions on a few of those areas, Lucas. So in terms of helping me market the rental using Cozy, how does that work specifically?
5: Cozy gives you a beautiful page with pictures and a description for each of the units that you're trying to rent, as well as syndicating it to realtor.com and doorsteps.com. So we'll we'll put it out there on the MLS. We'll put it out there on these these sites that get traffic. And then we'll also give you a URL that you can share anywhere. So Cozy, that's kind of one of our bragging points is that Cozy can be used anywhere and and can be shared anywhere. So you can share it on social media. You can share it in any other platform that you want to list your property at. And then just tell people, hey, if you want to apply or you want more information, go to this link. That's the Cozy link. So everything's built right into that. And
0: then what tools are available for me to make sure that that renter is the right person for me?
5: So... If you're not screening tenants for credit reports and background checks, you definitely should be. That's that's kind of a best practice in landlording. And, and when you hear these horror stories, it's typically because the landlord didn't do their due diligence on the front side. So we realize that is the uh, the hardest part oftentimes in screening a tenant is digging up that information they may not want you to see. So that's what we do for the landlord. So when a tenant applies, the tenant will authorize that credit report and background check and pay for it. So that credit report and background check is $39 currently and that is how Cozy makes money. So we make enough on those reports that we can actually offer everything else in Cozy for free. Wow. And it's a great freemium model and it's doing us very well. So what's nice about it though is that when the tenant pays for those, they also get a copy, which is unusual. You know, in the real life with big property managers yeah. you just hand over a check for 40 bucks and then it just goes into the abyss and you don't know whatever happens, you don't see anything. But with Cozy, instantly or or you know at the same time, the landlord and the tenant both receive a copy of the credit report and the background check. So it makes rejecting someone very easy because they already know why they're being rejected. you know it makes it super easy for the tenant to have something they can take with them and get for their money. And for landlords, we actually spent uh, a significant amount of time designing a credit report interface and then designing something that looks amazing so that, so that you didn't have to struggle to think about what am I really looking at, you know? Yeah. Because I feel I feel like with credit reports, if you've ever looked at one, you kind of feel like maybe a fax machine spit it out from <laughs> 1972, right? It does. <laughs> yeah, we have beautiful charts on there. We split up the type of debt. We tell you a two-year history on every trade line. I mean, it's just painfully easy, <laughs> you know. I've seen all kinds of credit reports, and Cozy by far is the easiest one to understand. So that's that was our goal, and I think we accomplished it. But, uh, I,
2: but
0: yeah, I love that. Not to cut you off, but I love the fact that not only does the tenant know exactly what the landlord's looking at. I mean, I remember those days. I was never denied. I always, when I'd have to put my social security number in places, I'm like, I wonder what they're going to see. And now you're telling me I get to see exactly what they see, which is cool.
5: That's true. And and to add to that, I mean, to your note about social security numbers, we do have to take that social security number from the tenant in order to process and, and do an ID verification for that credit data. But we never share that with the landlord. And so some landlords squawk at that. But you know, overall, landlords are actually relieved. So what it does is it leaves the landlord's burden to have to store that sensitive information. So there's a federal requirement that says if you have personally identifying information, like a social security number, you have to store that in a locked file cabinet, typically behind a locked door. You know, heaven forbid you get burglarized or a, a disgruntled employee goes in and steals your applicant's identity. You know that, that kind of stuff actually happens. So Cozy is solving that problem by saying, you know what, we need the social security number, but Cozy is going to just transaction that and then forget it. And we're never going to give it to the landlord. And so that information is held privately and the landlord doesn't have the burden of having to store that
0: let's talk just briefly then about you, you mentioned something about roommates. I'm assuming then what you're saying is my daughter has a roommate where she lives in Kansas city. The two of them then pay their half of the rent or whatever their arrangement is independently then through cozy.
5: That's right. So a landlord would get all the tenants or all the roommates in a, in a house set up on cozy and they can all see the same ledger and the same accounting system. and, And, you know, they see everything together because they're roommates I actually have five properties in three states and I have about 20 tenants at any given time. And so those tenants, those roommates, you know, the ones that have lived together, it's amazing for me because each of those roommates, when they're young, they kind of only think about, well, you know, my bedroom is, you know, I'm only paying 900 bucks or 500 bucks. And then this one's only paying 600 bucks and, you know, and they, they don't really think about the big picture. So what Cozy does is it lets all those roommates pay whatever amount they want, as long as it equals the total rent, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, so you know, that works great when, you know, even in, in spouse situations where you got two roommates and maybe one of them pays the whole thing and the other one uh, doesn't, or, you know, because yeah. they're married or and whatnot, or you got roommates of, you know, for me, I have houses with six roommates and each of them pay 500 bucks. They love it because they don't have to pay each other. Yes. They don't have to like group it together and pay me and send me one big fat check. I've had tenants leave my property and as they're leaving, they say, Hey, Lucas, Do you know any other landlords in the area that I can, you know, rent their house? And, but they have to use Cozy. Like, I don't want to stop. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. Which is just a testimony to the product, you know? Yeah,
0: no, that's awesome. Uh, and so besides besides that one fee, the credit check fee, which I think is an, I mean, it's an important process for people to go through. I'm totally with you whenever I've seen problems when I was a financial planner. It was always somebody got a sob story. They let the person rent from them. And next thing you know, they can't get them out. And they're not paying their rent. Right. Um, any other services? I know you guys aren't sitting still, Lucas. Is there anything that you're working on now that you hope to add in the future?
5: For sure. So we are hoping to fill in every single gap, every single need that you might have as an independent landlord to manage your own properties. And we've accomplished a lot. I mean, I I manage five properties from two thousand miles away. I mean, so does so does your friend Paula. She manages them from almost two thousand miles away too. And it's just great. I mean, I I think Cozy is off and running. We've been around for over five years. We process over $2 billion in rent every single year. We're used in every city, state, and county in the United States by landlords. So it's certainly the biggest and the most popular among landlords. And we're looking to add things like leases where you can buy leases and fill them out in a template format and Mm. then use them over and over again. And we're looking to do document signing where you know, you can either buy a lease or upload your lease and just get all your tenants to sign it at the same oh, wow. time. So you don't have to deal with that.
0: Wow. And I can imagine if people are coming together from different cities too, you know, having them all signed that yep. they leave some of that stuff. Is it an app or is it a web-based
5: so it's web-based, but it is accessible on any device. So we have what's called a mobile native app, and that is basically where you access it on any phone or, or tablet, and then you can you can simply save it to your home screen as a little icon. And then that ensures that you're not dealing with all kinds of downloads and,
0: gotcha. and you don't have
5: to worry about updates.
0: Yeah, sure. It's all available at cozy.co. We'll have a link on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. Lucas, man, thanks for dropping by. I really appreciate it.
5: Yeah, thanks. I'm going to go back upstairs and get some more lemon squares. I appreciate it. <laughs> I,
0: I got to go too, but I got to get back to my round table. So <laughs> hope, hope you bring one back down.
5: <laughs> okay. we Will do. <laughs> thanks, Joe.
1: <laughs> hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And you know, I am all about these apps you can have on your smartphone that are absolutely mission critical to making your life easier. For instance got the one that sounds like beer being poured, got the one that makes obscene noises, gotta have it, and I've even got one that shows you, it shows, oh my god, it shows those random cats doing just the darndest things, it's adorable, but did you know you can also get financial apps on your phone, no idea why you'd want that, it's worthless, but apparently there's people out there who like that sort of thing so here's a trivia question what percentage of smartphone users have at least one financial app wasting space on their phone i'll be back with the answer in just a moment
0: all right guys we explained the methodology and how this very complex game works backstage and i think we're gonna go ladies first so katie do you want to guess first or last
3: Mm, I'll guess
0: first. All right. And we play this price's right style, which means you're the closest without going over. So, Tom, that means uh you're guessing right after Katie. If you're not good at math, that means you go second. I don't know if you knew that, but <laughs> the, you're right. Well-
3: Did they do math differently in Canada? That's right.
4: Well, we probably do, but we'll leave that alone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that may be that may be something way better too there. All right, Katie. So we've got uh, financial apps on your phone. What percentage of smartphone users have a financial app on their phone? I'm going to go with 79%. 79%. I can't figure
3: out if anybody that's older than 70 has a smartphone or if they're still using their clamshell phone.
0: Why do you think people under 70 wouldn't have a financial app on their phone or they would?
3: I don't know, but I'm like, if somebody is 70-something is and they don't have a financial app, do they not have a financial app on their clamshell phone or do they not have a financial <laughs> app on their smartphone?
0: But uh, 79%, I mean, that's, that's uh, four out of every five people, roughly. So you think that uh, financial apps are pretty like everybody's got them?
3: Well, you know what? If it includes banking, then yes. I feel like everybody's got their bank app on their phone these days.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, Tom, what do you think? Is it uh, more or less than 79%? What's your guess?
4: I think Katie's being way too optimistic. I'm going to guess 30%. You think nobody's got one? Maybe I'm just being negative, but I tend to think there's a lot of people out there that aren't very interested in their finances at all. So I I don't know. We'll see if I'm right. This is
0: going to be great. Tom's got 30%. Katie's got 79%. We'll be back and figure out which one of you is right here in just a second big thanks to magnify money for supporting stacking benjamins by the way this is future joe doing these and uh i just got back from detroit and what an amazing show and i think i left my voice in detroit plus going to bed at about uh, twelve thirty, waking up at three to be on a plane uh, it also helps get rid of your your voice but for today we're not talking about that let's talk about magnify money by the way thank you to everybody who came out, not just in Detroit, but in Kansas City and in Orlando. We had such a amazing time. If you head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money and you compare savings accounts, let's go right there now. You can probably hear me typing and it looks like our top interest rate right now is 2.5% at EBSB Direct. And then uh, 2.25 at My Savings Direct, 2.25 at Utah First Credit Union, 2.16 at CIBC. Uh, CIT Bank comes in at 2.15, PurePoint Financial 2.15, and so on. More of the banks that are online in one place than anywhere else on the internet stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money but not just that if you've paid off your cards completely why not have a credit card that gives you cash back rewards magnify money compares those they can also compare checking accounts cd rates personal loans refinancing your student loans secured cards if you're just starting out low interest credit cards if you're trying to pay less interest to the man and so on stacky benjamins.com forward slash magnify money for more thanks also to warby parker for supporting SB, Warby Parker makes high-quality, stylish, and affordable glasses. I'm wearing some right now that start at only 95 bucks, including prescription lenses. Plus, lenses include anti-glare and anti-scratch coatings. For every pair of glasses sold, listen to this. Warby Parker is going to distribute a pair of glasses to someone in need. They make buying glasses online easy and risk-free with their home try-on program. I thought it was really cool. I'm a sucker for packaging and the packaging on these glasses when they came for me to try on five different pairs was 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 really stylish and neat and made the whole process fun. as Cheryl and I went from pair of glasses to pair of glasses. You get to keep the frames for five days before you send them back for free. It was super easy. They have a label that you just pop back on the box, put it outside with the mail and it is gone. Use their prepaid return shipping label and there's no obligation to purchase. After you head to warbyparker.com forward slash SB and place your home try-on order, make sure to download the Warby Parker app from the iTunes app store. Try Warby Parker out for yourself and see how good you look in their frames. Go to warbyparker.com forward slash SB. Warbyparker.com forward slash SB will get you your own free home try-on kit with free shipping all around. They say right here, make sure to type lowercase SB and if you have an iPhone 10, be sure to download the Warby Parker app and try their new Find Your Fit feature. That measures key facial features through the phone's True Depth camera and suggests which Warby Parker frames best fit your face. Katie, 79%. You feeling good about that?
3: I'm feeling good.
0: Tom, 30%.
4: Yeah, I'm staying negative. Sticking by
0: it. <laughs> Katie's the glass is four-fifths full. Tom is the glass is one, two-thirds empty.
1: Let's see who's right. Doug, what do we got? Hey there, trivia nerds. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And Joe's mom just informed me that these financial smartphone apps are exactly what this Friday fintech segment thingy is been all about that we've been featuring for like the last five years or god we wasted a lot of time on that holy cow who knew anyway well color me shocked but let's get into today's trivia shall we what percentage of smartphone users have at least one financial app on their device the answer according to a recent bank rate survey a full 63 percent of smartphone users have at least one financial app that's impressive or maybe a a little strange. You know, I wonder how many have the app that marks all the places you've pooped. You think I'm kidding, don't you? There is one of those.
4: And it's awesome. See ya. Uh, I'm oh, glad man. I'm wrong.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you're less wrong than Katie was.
4: Yes, I'm, I'm further away. I, I didn't think it would be nearly that high.
0: But it's the closest without going over. So Tom Drake, how do you feel? You're the big winner.
4: I feel pretty good, Bob.
0: <laughs> you win you in the amazing prize of a pat on the back, and and Katie. I don't. You were in the ballpark.
3: I was close-ish, maybe. <laughs>
0: maybe just a little too optimistic. <laughs> which is how I mean. If you're going to lose, you want to be too optimistic, right?
3: Exactly. Yeah, yeah,
0: people are good. Things are great. Hey, let
3: everybody has an app on their phone for their bank.
0: <laughs> everybody or has, not. and we all hold hands and sing "Kumbaya" with our apps on our phone. Hey guys, I got a problem here. We got a wrong number. Somebody, I don't know why, but they asked us for help with a financial question. Today's question is brought to you by The Stacker, which is our email list for all things Stacking Benjamins, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash stacker for more. And uh, you know what? Uh, Today, our new friend, John, uh, asked us for help. Let's see what John's asking.
5: Hi, Joe and OG. This is John from Madison. I've heard on your podcast and from Susie Orman that we should have money set aside for emergency fund. And I just imagine that money sitting there doing nothing. So when you guys talk about having money saved for an emergency fund, is there any place that we should put it in particular besides just the savings account? Should we have that in a money market or I don't know, some kind of investment vehicle that's more liquid and that'll be Kind of that that emergency fund. Thanks for all that you do.
0: Hey, thanks for the question, John. You know, Tom, this is a big uh, problem in the US. I'm sure it's a problem in Canada too. The interest rates have been incredibly low. What do you Mm -hmm. tell people to do with their emergency
4: fund? Uh, When it comes to the emergency fund, I still really like the idea of just keeping it in a high interest savings account. Back to the asset allocation we were talking about earlier, you can consider it part of that allocation. Sure, it's not what you're saving for retirement or something, but there's still this the safe liquid funds that you can get to easily that can still be part of your total allocation, but it's, it, it truly is your emergency fund and, and you need to be able to to get that money possibly tomorrow.
0: But you see these people and they say this all, they've said it to you before. If some big emergency happens, Tom, I can go take out debt. What do you say to that?
4: Depending on the person, I'm, I'm not terribly against that idea. <laughs> it's uh, it just depends on, on sort of your mindset. Are, are you someone that can truly use a credit line? To pay for an emergency, deal with it, and and then pay it off? Or does it become sort of an excuse where everything's an emergency, and now you're using that credit line for every random thing that pops up? Are
0: you saying know yourself first? Is that what you're trying to say?
4: Yes, a little bit. <laughs> uh, and you do truly have to know yourself. Maybe you don't always realize that till it's too late, and now you're in, in a bunch of debt. But for the right person, I'm not totally against uh, using a credit line for that purpose. We used
0: to call it when I was a financial planner, like the top of the ice cream scoop, like the whole ice cream was your emergency fund, but then make sure that you've got a, a credit line open just in case worse comes to worse comes to worse so that you have that money mm-hmm. available. So kind of a hybrid to what you're saying. Let's see if Katie agrees. Katie, what do you think? Do you think um, bigger emergency fund, smaller emergency fund, or where do we put it?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think it really depends on your situation. If you decided to quit your nine to five job and start your own business, you better have a really good padding of cash before you do that. Whereas like a normal couple would be between like three and six months of, I usually do it off of take home. I feel like a lot of people say, oh, you need it off of your bills. But also um, I've been doing this for almost 15 years and people are, are really not all that honest with themselves about how much they actually spend.
0: Oh, (laughs) come on. What are you talking about? (laughs) Everybody doesn't know every dollar they spend.
3: Myself included. And I'm a CFP and a financial planner. You've got to Um, say,
0: before you say stuff like that, you got to say spoiler alert.
3: Yeah. Spoiler (laughs) alert. I probably also throw a lot more money towards vacations than I think I do in my head. But yeah, as far as emergency savings, I always tell people if you can keep about one month, actually sitting in your checking account or like in a savings account that's actually at the same institution, just so you don't end up transferring more than you need to. And then the rest of it at some sort of high yield savings account. If you wanted to go crazy, you could do CDs and ladder some CDs. But the thing is that CDs haven't really had any better of an interest rate over the last like five years. So if you could do, you know, one to one and a half or 2% in a high yield savings account or a CD. Um, it used to be that CDs were giving you three or 4%, but it, that hasn't been the case lately.
0: That's what I was going to say. It's used to be, that, you know, laddering CDs was a great strategy. Have you seen that the same in Canada, Tom, that CDs really aren't paying?
4: Well, just to be different, uh, CDs in Canada are called GICs, Guaranteed Investment Certificates. Sure. <laughs> but, yeah. but yes, everything else applies. The, the laddering technique of the maturing at different times. Is normally great advice, but yes, exact same thing where you can do just as well in the savings account now as in a GIC or yes, CDs.
0: I'll be the big time control. I don't like using debt. I mean, I said that I, uh, you know, people will put that at the top of uh, ice cream cone debt, but I don't like using debt. And uh, Greg McFarlane used to be on the show. Well, Tom, you know Greg McFarlane. Greg and I used to fight about this all the time because. People get disabled and they don't have a way to pay back any of that debt that they run into. And it and ends, ends up compounding the problem. And I just like, I don't know, I like going cash. And the cool thing about having the cash is that then you can be uber aggressive if you want to be with your investments. Like the reason I'm an aggressive investor is because I know I have plenty of cash that isn't earning sh- you know because it's just not it's not earning anything but i know that i can weather any storm so i can be more aggressive and i think about if i didn't have that cash i'd have to be a little bit more conservative and then i look at my returns over time probably not as high as what they've been so i look at that cash cushion and think of it as my security blanket to go you know to go pretty aggressive with my investments but, uh, so but uh, it,
3: that's the news. So they've called it, you know, an emergency savings fund, a rainy day fund, an FU fund. And now it's going to be like a snuggy Blanket Fund snuggie per blanket. Joe at Stacking Benjamin.
0: The snuggy Blanket Fund. Yeah. And I'm sure Tom and Kennedy, you guys all have snuggy Blankets, don't you?
4: Yes, we, we definitely need to keep warm up here, uh, especially when it's snowing too early. <laughs>
0: By the way, and I don't want to get too far off on this, but we're going to the Canadian Rockies next year. You got to be in a Calgary. Do you go to Banff and Lake Louise and that area often?
4: Uh, I wouldn't say super often. I, I don't ski, but we'll go there more in the summer. It's obviously yeah. a nice place. It's it's about an hour away.
0: Man, I'm just thinking the hiking out there, the beauty, it's just yeah. a gorgeous place.
4: It's great. Is that where you're heading to?
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, you so, have to stop by. Well, I was going to say that was my way of asking if we can stay at your place. So
4: <laughs> we we have a guest room. You can you can come into my basement. That
0: is per. That's specifically why we asked Tom on the show. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so Just So
3: uh, that, that Joe could <laughs> cut down on his uh, travel costs.
0: That's right. Because <laughs> from now out. from now on, I'm going to bring up. Well, remember, I asked you on the show. I mean, come on. Yeah. Right. Uh, that that uh, thanks by the way, John, for the question. If you've got a question for the show, head to stackybenjamins.com. And at the top of the page, you'll see questions for the show. Click that link, and you'll see all the ways that you can interface with us. And guess what, John's getting, John's getting a Greatest Money Show on Earth t-shirt, the circus shirt that represents st- all things stacking benjamins. That's going to do it, guys. Uh, thanks a ton for playing. Let's talk about what's going on where you're where where you where you live where you live. Easy for me to say, Katie. What's going on at your richest life planning?
3: Yeah, we just did a blog post on open enrollment, surprise, surprise, because it's that time of the year, but also on how to stay motivated when you're trying to hit big financial goals. Sometimes it'll you'll start hard and heavy and then you get sidetracked by things. And so especially if you're trying to either pay off a big amount of debt or if you're trying to save up a lot of money, uh, just a couple of tips to keep you motivated and, and keep you on the straight and narrow
0: I think that's so important because I used to see people when I was a planner, they do great for six months and then to celebrate they'd go, you know, put a down payment on a big screen TV they couldn't afford.
3: Yeah, put it on layaway, right? <laughs> right. Well, not even that. No,
0: they take the credit no, card back. no, backup. they just put it on the credit card. Yes, absolutely. Oh, we did great for six months, so we deserve it. You know what I mean? There's the we deserve it mentality. So, so important to stay motivated. Tom, what's happening? And by the way, thanks a ton for, it's about time we got you on the show. I'm so happy you could make it. What's going on at Maple Money, man?
4: Well, I'm glad you finally had me on. I, I think a while back we did, uh, I, I did a little intro where we did stacking Bordens instead of stacking <laughs> Benjamins, did. but I, I wouldn't even remember how long ago that was, but that, that was my only time on the show.
1: <laughs> that was so funny.
4: So yeah, Maple Money, it's primarily canadian focus, but most of your listeners are American. They'll certainly find a lot of universal topics, especially on the Maple Money show, where half my guests probably are American. We keep the topics universal enough so that we're not talking about 401ks or RSPs with them. There's a lot there that you can tune into every week. My goal is to be the second best podcast.
0: Nice. Oh, that was well played. (laughs) Well, well done, my friend. That's fantastic. That is Tom Drake right there. But but you guys talk about all kinds of things. I mean, you're really I, what I like about your show is when I go on my run, you're talking about something completely different week after week.
4: Being sort of focused in Canada is niche down enough. Um, <laughs> you wouldn't want to be a, a Canadian debt blogger or something like that. <laughs> so we talk about everything. I was I was actually just talking to my friend uh, JD Roth at get rich slowly. How we're we're very similar, where we just cover everything under the personal finance umbrella, even touching into things like travel and lifestyle and everything. But it's still, it's everything that sort of affects your money. And that and that's sort of the the wide net. We try to keep everything within.
0: Well, and looking at the, the believe it or not, 48 countries that we're in with Stacking Benjamins, Canada obviously is a big second. So whether you're in Canada, the US or elsewhere, Maple Money and uh, available everywhere where podcasts are sold, right? For sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right. That's going to do it for today, guys. Uh, let's put a fork in this one. Doug, what should we have learned today?
1: thing, Joe. I'm going to let you and OG get back to comparing maps of all the places you've pooped. I'll tell everybody what they should have learned today. First, financial terms. If you don't know a term you hear on the radio, a television show, or a podcast, look it up. This stuff's like riding a bike, and soon you'll have the whole financial neighborhood in your vocabulary. Second, emergency funds. You can maximize your returns, but remember that they're a shield so that you don't have to worry about your real money your long-term investments. Because you're keeping those in a spot that's safe, you can stay aggressive on those other investments. But the big lesson? Don't download the I Am Rich app. Pay 999 bucks for that thing and you get a red ruby on your screen. Once again, you think I'm joking, I'm not. Android users, your version's only 200 bucks so, you know, You got that going for you. There's a bargain. Special thanks to Tom Drake for joining us. You'll find his podcast, Maple Money, wherever you're listening to this show. This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter reese and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page.
3: Okay. Look, I've I'm, I'm loaded and I've had it. And there's no more beer left, so let's end the album. No. Why? We need more beers. There are none more. And there's no more back bacon.
0: Welcome to the after show. Tom, I know you haven't been on the show before, but you probably know that this is the part of the show that doesn't exist. What happens in the after show stays in the after show. We don't talk about it. So those are the ground rules. Okay. <laughs> He's like, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs>
1: He's
4: like, <"All> right. <laughs> it's like All I'm right. scared. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: right. Well, and we were talking about financial firm financial firms, financial terms earlier that uh, you may not know. And I was just thinking in general. I think about some terms that I either had wrong for a long time or, or things that I got incorrect or wish that I had known earlier. And I thought, maybe we've got some stories there. I mean, I remember, you know, people talk about, as an example, um, music. My mom used to work in a Catholic church rectory for this hilarious priest, but this was a long time ago. And the movie Fame was big. You guys know Fame, I'm Gonna Live Forever, that whole thing? Yeah. So, so the priest,
3: are we supposed to start singing it right now? I know.
0: Right. I, I don't think it d- <laughs> does It matter how old you are. I think everybody knows fame. So my mom's working hard one day and the priest comes over and goes, Dorothy, I should not like that song, that fame song, fame. I'm going to live forever. And she goes, uh, father Ross, what are you talking about? Like, that's a nice song. He goes, no, I shouldn't like it. You know, that whole part about take your pants down and make it happen. That's just horrible. And my mom had to explain to him and said, "No, take your passion and make it happen." And he was so much happier after that. Like he didn't feel guilty about the song. So I don't know if you guys have any of those or or any uh, any other terminology stories, uh, Katie. Well, pretty you got much
3: if, yeah. Pretty much, if there's anything new and it's um, you know probably an urban dictionary, I'm going to pronounce it wrong. So our latest was I was pretty sure that Meme's were popping up everywhere.
0: Meme, uh, memes.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And so what I was told was it's not Meme, like, like whip a Like it's not you yeah. Meme or Meme. It's apparently memes. Yeah. I was like, how was I supposed to know that? But I did give family members a really, really good laugh when I kept referring to uh, may-mays or Meme's or Meme's. <laughs>
5: <I laughs> and saw- they...
3: Corrected I th- me as to that it's neither of the above.
0: I saw this really great Mimi the other day. <laughs> I kind of
3: <laughs> liked baby, you know, like May-may. rhyme, rhyme with whip and a,
0: yeah. no, that's awesome. That's fantastic. Uh, how long did they wait until they corrected you like a week, two weeks, a year?
3: Oh no, they had to laugh at me thoroughly and then still continue to laugh <laughs> at me about that. Um, <laughs> and, and they'll send me something and be like, look, it's a, and they'll, you know, spell it out how they, how I said it sounds.
0: <laughs> Tom, you've got to have some terms.
4: Well, I got to admit, I don't have a good example of it, but like the mimes, th- there's certainly words where I've read them for years and how you read them in your head with no one ever checking you on that. You, you can go quite a while with, with that wrong idea. So I've definitely done that. Two that I've run into in both cases, I didn't realize there was a, a sexual nature to them. One was uh, Netflix and chill. I, I oh, took it at yeah. face value. And I thought it was literally like, we're just going to hang out on the couch and, you know, watch Netflix.
0: <laughs> How many, have, have you seen all the things online? I'm sure you have about the brands that get that wrong. Like brands have gone in and done, Hey, so next time you Netflix and chill, like eat, <laughs> eat some popcorn. Like who the hell wants to eat popcorn while you're having your Netflix and chill time? Like, no, <laughs> no the, I bet there's people listening to this that don't know that I mean, uh, yeah,
3: me? you'll have
4: to Google it.
0: <laughs> well, a Katie, Katie, seriously, you had no idea.
3: No, I'm telling you, pop culture related, apparently I'm like at least two years behind everybody else until I catch on.
0: There it By the way, this is the real reason Paula went away already, because she would have been <laughs> lost on all this stuff. When you talk to Americans, Tom, there's got to be some Canadian terms that Americans just don't know.
4: Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll ask you a couple, see if you know what they are.
0: All right. By um, the way, you know- before you do this, we did a game show on this and we got hate mail, just serious hate mail about how disgusting it was that they thought we were making fun of Canadian terms. So I'm glad we got the Canadian guy <laughs> who's, who's helping us with this. So I don't get the hate mail this time.
4: Yes. I I, I checked the box where we're allowed to talk about <laughs> this. So, um, <laughs> do you know what a double double is? Oh,
0: I, I did. A
3: hamburger by any chance.
0: No, I, no. Did, I did know what a double double was a double double is uh isn't that a case of beer?
4: No, that's a 2-4. That's
0: a 2-4.
4: Damn. A 2-4 is, is a 24-pack of beer. Yeah. A, a double-double is when you order coffee at Tim Hortons and you get two cream, two sugar. That, oh, damn it. I, For, it. First of all, that's disgusting because <laughs> <laughs> that's just way too much cream and sugar in your coffee. But uh, a lot of people will order a double-double. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, you know, if it's cold out, I mean, you, you got to get those eyes open. Heck of a lot of sugar. Uh, what's another uh, one
4: speaking of beer in the two, four, um, another thing we have is people commonly say and no is, is the Molson muscle.
0: The Mul- Any idea. Well, I know what a Molson is, so it's gotta be a Molson beer. And, um, and by the way, we don't have Molson here in Texas. And, uh, what a, what a that's why I can't wait to move back to Michigan. Cause I like Molson. Molson's a good beer. Um, a Molson muscle. It's got to be a Molson and uh Jaeger. I don't know.
4: No, it's not actually a drink. It's uh when you have a, a beer gut, you, <laughs> you call got that your Molson, Molson muscle.
3: muscle. <laughs> oh, I like that. Uh, I like that. It's a lot, you know, a lot nicer than beer gut.
4: That one's
0: <laughs> awesome.
4: Like your Here.
0: labat lats or something. I don't, I don't know
4: after kind of crapping on the, the Tim Hortons coffee, I'll, I'll do the same with Molson. Uh, I actually don't like lager beers. I, oh. I like a nice, uh, a nice ale. So I, I'm being a terrible Canadian here, but, uh, yeah. I'll ask you a couple that are probably easy ones. Do you know what a toque is?
0: Yes. Uh, Katie, do you know a toque?
3: And I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to get on the Canadian lingo here.
0: Oh, it's a nice furry hat.
4: Yeah, yeah, I, I think you guys would say like knitted cap or something yes. like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Katie, you'd you'd like wearing a toque, but not yeah, I that, don't know. No. In
3: Texas, we don't have very many.
0: <laughs> no, no, you'd wear
3: caps around here.
0: Katie, you'd wear a toque both days. It was cold.
3: I would. Yeah, all yes, two of them.
0: Right. Hey, I've seen snow in Texas. It happens. It does happen, and there's like a a, a raid at the Walmart the day before. Oh yeah,
3: we shut down, man. Just (laughs) shut down the whole state. There's like three flurries of snow, and they're like, "Shut it down!" It's so
0: crazy.
4: I bet I was in San Diego one time when they had rain, and it was like a city emergency. (laughs) (laughs) They were having rain.
0: Like what? Rain? What is this? Precipitation (laughs) from the air. All right, we got time for one more. Tom, you got to? Do you get? Do you have one more?
4: Yeah, I'll I'll give you an easy one. I think this is an easy one. Toboggan. Katie.
3: Isn't that some form of clothing? I swear. Oh, are you a toboggan?
0: <laughs> is that a form of clothing? Know. Who are you, Katie Brewer?
3: Somebody who does not know Canadian stuff, apparently. But t- toboggan's uh,
0: not even. A, there's people in Minnesota right now who are like shutting off their device
4: because. It's a sled,
3: <laughs> sled. It's a sled isn't it? There you go.
4: It is a sled. Did, did you Google that over there? Or
3: a sled. <laughs> <laughs>
4: something wintry. It's either something you you ride on the snow in or you keep yourself warm from the snow in. That's, exactly. that's right.
0: Yeah. Uh, Tom and Katie, thanks for playing.
3: Thanks, Joe.
0: Thanks. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is military appreciation month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine,